Awesome. Alrighty, well, welcome tonight. I'm so excited for every single one of you. Um, thank you so much for joining us and being with us here tonight. Um, if we haven't gotten the chance to meet yet, um, like Angel said, my name is Casey Griffin. I'm one of the associate pastors here on staff. Um, I know I look 12. I'm not. Um, this is my full-time job. It's really exciting. Um, if we haven't met yet, please, 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 please come introduce yourself to me after service. I promise I'm not intimidating whatsoever. Um, I also have this weird game with myself where I try to memorize people's names. So if you introduce yourself to me tonight and you come back next week, please come back next week, there's like a 90% chance I'll remember your name and like you can quiz me on that. So I'm excited to share with you guys tonight. And before I get started, I just kind of want to share my story with you, kind of my walk with Jesus and what my life has looked like, because I don't, I don't expect you to take anything I say without knowing who I am first. So growing up, um, I grew up in a really, really small town. It's called Panora. It's on the other side of the state. Yeah, there's like two people in here who are from Panora, so super exciting. Um, but uh, both my mom and dad are actually pastors, super exciting. They love Jesus so, so, so much. And uh, growing up, they created such a loving environment for me. Um, they tried to push me towards the Lord as, much as, as hard as they could. Um, but this environment that they created was so loving um, that it was almost sheltered to the outside world. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the world is not always super loving and great. Um, and... Uh, just to put you in perspective of how, how sheltered I kind of felt, I didn't know that non-Christians existed until I was about 10 or 11, which is kind of embarrassing, to be totally honest, that like, I found out at that age that there were people different from me um, who believed different things than me. And like, we probably talked about it at church growing up. I just never listened. Um, but as much as my parents tried pushing me closer to Jesus and to have a relationship with him, I don't ever feel like I, I really had that. I don't feel like I had a relationship with Jesus. I was that kid that like went to church camp and I got super fiery that one week and then I went home and I was like, Meh, I don't want to do this anymore and just kind of went back to my mundane life. I didn't really care about what following Jesus looked like every day. I also thought I was better than a lot of people um, because I wasn't like committing these like big sins because I wasn't like going out and partying and I wasn't, you know, doing not great stuff with my boyfriend. I wasn't, you know seeing, I wasn't doing all these other things that I saw other people doing, and so I felt like I was better than them, which is not accurate. And I was, I was far from perfect, just to be clear. Made lots of mistakes, I still do, I'm nowhere near perfect. Um, but I really just struggled to figure out who I was. Not only just like as a person, I wasn't confident in that, but I also wasn't confident in like being a Christian. Everyone in my town knew that I was a Christian uh, because my parents were pastors and most of my town was also Christians, um, but they didn't know that I was a Christian by my actions. I never like lived out my faith in the way that, um, way that I should have. I was never vocal about it. And so I came to you and I, the fall of 2016, ready to like be my own person and do whatever I wanted. Um, and I, I came to you and I figuring out that I was like probably gonna join a ministry but I knew about Chi Alpha, and I really didn't want to go. Um, it was way small at the time, and I didn't want people to be all up in my business because, like I said, I want to be my own person. I didn't want people to tell me what to do. But reluctantly, I came to that first service because Katie, who was up here, holy cow, holy cow, ushering in the presence of the Lord, okay? Why aren't we clapping for that, you guys? Holy cow. But... 
Katie was my friend from camp. We worked together, and so she invited me, and her husband, Marcus, who was not her husband at the time, we went to high school together, and he invited me, and some guy added me on Facebook who ended up being the pastor of Kyle at the time, also invited me, so I was like, shoot, I really got to go. Um, so I reluctantly came to that first service, and uh, I stayed. <laughs> um, there was really no going back for me, so there's probably a couple of you in here who like maybe didn't want to go to Kyle at first, and then you stayed because Jesus is awesome, and this is the place where you felt like home. Um, even though a lot of people here were like really intentional with me and tried to get to know me, I was really committed to the community, but I was still kind of just like one foot in, one foot out with my faith. Pastor Katie was actually my small group leader, um, and she was so persistent with me. She, she met with me, and she just ran after me, and she was there for me in a way that a lot of people hadn't been before, and just consistently showed me Jesus with her words and her actions. And I think Katie running after me is what made me stick around. Um, it's what made me actually want a relationship with Jesus, because I saw that in her. And about halfway through the school year, I was like, whoa, I'm actually really flawed. I have all these mistakes. I've, I feel just so weighed down by a lot of shame and guilt. And I went to this conference. It was actually winter conference, not fall retreat. Please go to fall retreat. Life-changing. Um, but I just felt so weighed down by these poor decisions. And at that conference, I felt like a weight had lifted off my shoulder. Shoulders, I have two of them. Um, <laughs> and I felt like I could actually pursue Christ at the time, um, harder and faster than I ever could, and that pushed me to go to a mission trip to Georgia, Atlanta my freshman year, um, which was super amazing. I met my husband, so if you need a husband, go on a mission trip. They're pretty good at that, pretty good at providing those. Okay, I can't make a promise about that, sorry. <laughs> um, but I went to Georgia a few months later, and this changed my perspective radically on the people around me. It wasn't some like big, like thundering moment where Jesus was like, love people. That would have been cool. Um, but it was kind of a progressive thing throughout the week. I just met so many people who, who didn't know Jesus. Um, and my heart just started to slowly break for them. God showed me for the first time how to be passionate about my faith. Um, how to show people Jesus with my words and my actions like Katie had done for me. And how to just talk to people, to not be afraid to talk to strangers, and to just share the good news about Jesus with people. And after this, it was very clear to me that I could not contain the joy of truly knowing Jesus to myself. Like, it, it was selfish of me, honestly, to just keep that good news to myself. And on that trip, when I became really passionate about ministering others, God showed me that there was nothing else that I could do with my life but minister to them and to be on mission at all times. No matter what life looked for me, no matter what career path I chose, I was just supposed to bring people to him, and I knew that on this trip. Joke's on me, it is actually my career now, so that's also cool. Um, God called me into full-time ministry and to be in this community, which I love all of you guys so much, even if it's your first time. I love working with you guys. Um, and over the past several years as a student, I feel like God really showed me what it means to live on mission. And for me, living on mission just doesn't just look like being a pastor or leading a small group or um, helping put on a good Tuesday night service. For me, Living on mission looks like living every second of my day running after Jesus and showing Jesus to other people. And uh, to be honest with you guys, this is something that has become really like a repetitive lesson in my life. He's had to teach me over and over and over again. And uh, 
the more I actually get involved in ministry, the harder it is to forget about the people outside of this room. And I feel like a lot of us tonight are in that same boat. There's some of us in here who love Jesus so much, so much. You read your Bible every day and you get like so pumped about worship. I mean, it's good worship, so I get it. You get so pumped about worship and you get so excited to be with Jesus. But you've gotten so wrapped up in this, this Christian culture that anything outside of the norm is in our blind spots. Odds are we're probably that group who really, really, really likes our church merch. I, this he would love first bracelet. I know like six of you have it, okay? You probably got the God is greater than the highs and the low sticker on your laptop and the, the Jesus loves you t-shirts. I have one. Angel's wearing his right now, okay? Church merch is pretty cool. But we get so, so pumped about living in this Christian community that we get content here. And we're so content in our Christian bubble that we've created for ourselves. And we tend to have this thought process of like, I got my small group, I got my Bible, I got my pastor, I'm ready to go. And we become so narrow-minded to the things outside of that. You might be thinking, Casey, we literally just had a series about community. What are you telling me right now? I'm not saying that if your best friends are Christians that you're doing it wrong, okay? We need the people closest to us to be running after Jesus just as hard, if not harder, and to be pushing us closer to him and to keep us accountable for things. Christian community is so, so good and healthy and biblical. But when we're living in Christian community, it becomes way too easy to forget about the people that are outside this room. There's a few of us here who maybe can't relate to living in that Christian culture at all. Maybe you've just been following Jesus for a couple of weeks or maybe you wouldn't even call yourself a Christian and you're thinking to yourself, rock on, I'm good, this sermon's for the Christians, I can zonk out the rest of this time. Um, no, I believe this sermon is for you tonight as well. I think that Jesus wants to find you tonight um, even if you don't feel lost and he wants to bring you into this community and give you a home and give you a sense of purpose. That's my prayer for you guys tonight, that you would just feel a sense of purpose as Jesus finds you and brings you home. And that's what tonight's message is kind of about. So Derek started our series off last week called More Calling. And so he gave an overview of what these next couple weeks are going to look like. Um, tonight I'm talking about feeding, no, nope, I'm talking about finding, wow, I forgot what I was talking about. I'm talking about finding people who are far from Jesus, and next week he's going to talk about what it looks like to feed um, those with the word and with truth, and to also fight for them when they're running. Um, so tonight, as we go a little deeper, uh, the message is called A Call to Find. So if you're going to write it down, I'd write it down now. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2 tonight. Side note, if you don't have a Bible, there's people who come to these corners after service and they have free Bibles for you, okay? No excuse to not have a Bible. We want you guys to have access to the word, so please come get a free Bible after service. If you aren't familiar with the Bible, Mark is the second book in the New Testament, so right after Matthew. And it's one of the four books that we call the Gospels. Um, so the Gospels are about Jesus' life and his ministry and just his time on earth and what that looks like. So we're going to be in chapter 2, and just to give you a little bit of context, um, we haven't gotten that far, so we're still at the beginning of the book, but what has happened so far is um, Jesus just doing ministry all over Galilee. 
And uh, Jesus had healed several people at this time. He had done a bunch of miracles. And all the, relig- the religious leaders of the day were starting to get pretty mad at him because he was doing stuff that, like, wasn't normal to them. Um, he also had called his first couple of disciples already. So if you've heard about the 12 disciples, it's this cool group of dudes um, that followed Jesus and learned from him and did ministry with him. And so, so far, he's only called four of them. But tonight, we get to see him call the next one. So that's pretty exciting. Um, so we're in Mark chapter, or, yeah, chapter 2, verse 13. And if you don't have a Bible with you, it's going to be on the screen behind me. So it says, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up, and he followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, he asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So we're going to be focusing on this passage tonight um, and just seek what Jesus has for us um, and for those who are far away from him. So if you remember nothing else tonight, the thing I need, need, need you to remember, we are called to go find those who are far from Jesus and bring Jesus to them. We are called to go find those who are far from Jesus and bring Jesus to them. To them. But before we dig into this, I'm just going to pray for us and pray that God would speak through me. So, Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to get to speak to your people tonight. Um, Jesus, I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth would be directly from you, and it wouldn't be from me, Jesus, and that you would um, just show us what it looks like to go after your people tonight, God, what it, what it looks like to befriend those who are farthest from you. Thank you so much. In your name, amen. So, we are called to go find those who are far from Jesus. So in these first couple of verses here, Jesus was teaching a large crowd. He's just doing his ministry. And as he continued to walk, Jesus noticed a guy named Levi, chilling in his tax collector's booth, doing his job. And uh, so Levi was a tax collector, right? Which to most Jewish people meant that he was kind of scummy. A lot of people didn't really like him. And uh, the job of the tax collector was just that, to, to collect taxes for the government. But typically, what was happening here was that they were collecting what they were supposed to, but then they were asking for a little bit extra, and they were pocketing the rest for themselves, which is, like, not cool. I get why people wouldn't like them. But not only were they corrupt, but they were also Jewish, collecting taxes for the Roman government. Um, so a lot of their Jewish friends didn't really like them because they were kind of seen as a traitor. And so Jesus was doing ministry and teaching the crowd, and he noticed Levi. Just like in his regular life, he noticed him. According to the scripture, Levi wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. There wasn't like a giant arrow behind him. He wasn't like, pick me, I want to be a disciple. Like he's just collecting taxes. But Jesus saw him, and he went to him. If anything, the people following Jesus were probably like, pretty shocked about this when they overheard Levi, or they overheard Jesus to ask Levi to follow him. Like, it was probably pretty unexpected. And if it were anybody else's job that day to pick the disciples, odds are Levi probably wouldn't have gotten selected. But 
Jesus saw past this exterior. He saw past these like social norms and past what may have made sense to all the people around him. He knew that there was potential in anyone to follow Jesus. And even though Levi probably didn't know he was lost, when Jesus said to follow him, he got up and he followed him anyway. Something about Jesus must have been so compelling that Levi literally left his livelihood, like he left his job, to go learn from Jesus. I think this may have been the first time that Levi felt seen, um, like someone saw past the corruptness and past um, his job and past all the bad things that he was doing and just saw him for him. And so Levi left it all to go be with Jesus. Jesus did what may have been uncomfortable, Um, what may have been against the norms, but he did it because Levi was lost. He knew the consequences of Levi's eternity if he didn't go up and talk to him. Jesus knew what a relationship with the Father looked like, and he wasn't willing to not give Levi that same opportunity. We have to be willing to go to people. Because you know what will happen if we don't? The people who are lost, who are far from Jesus, will stay there without even knowing that they're lost. Okay, so imagine you had a dog, right? Sorry, cat people that can't imagine having a cat. So imagine you have a dog, okay? And one day you come home from a long day and you gotta go play with your puppy and he's missing. For me, it's like instant panic mode, like where is he? Is he okay? Did he eat today? What is he doing? And I would just be really scared and your dog is lost, okay? So what are you gonna do? You're not just going to sit on the couch and just wait for him to come home. No, you're going to get up and you're going to go and find him because your dog is missing, okay? I can't be the only person who would have like instant panic. And as time goes by and um, you've gotten your neighborhood to come look with you and your whole family is with you and you're just scouring the neighborhood, like the longer that it goes by, the more like panicky you get. And you're like, did he get hit by a car? Did he get dog napped? Where is my dog? And just when you're about to give up, you see him playing in the park. He's playing fetch with some random guy. And he's just wagging his tail, his big old dog smile on his face. You know, like the dog smiles, they're cute. Okay, they got a big old dog smile on his face, literally like the happiest looking dog on the planet. Your puppy wasn't scared or worried. He didn't know that he was supposed to come and find you because he didn't know that he was lost. The people who are far from Jesus, the people who are lost, aren't just going to come to us and beg us to know Jesus. They don't know that they're lost. There's things in this world that are pulling people away from Jesus every day, and those things can look really appetizing sometimes. They can make people feel like their life is good and like things are happy, so they need you to go and find them. What does that look like? There's a couple of things that I think we can do to kind of go and find them. So the first thing, first and foremost, guys, we gotta pray, okay? Prayer, the foundation to every single thing we do, okay? We need to seek Jesus first in this. It's our starting point. The likelihood of us finding people when we're not seeking Jesus first is, is slim. Prayer also helps us draw closer to Jesus. Um, so if you guys don't know, Jesus loves people regardless of if they know him or not. And so the more you pray, the more you become like Jesus, and the more your heart is also probably going to be broken for the lost people. Prayer is also the place where you get to ask God to help you. Um, You can ask him to highlight people to you, and then once he does that, you can ask him for the courage to actually go up and talk to them. We cannot and will not 
go find people if we're not praying first. The second thing is that we have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Going up and talking to a complete stranger, not super normal in our day. Um, the odds of somebody thinking it's a little bit weird that you don't know them and that you're coming up and talking to them is probable. And you probably won't always have the right words to say. I don't know about you guys, but I get pretty awkward sometimes. So you're going to be awkward, and that's okay. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable. And the third thing is that we have to be willing to be rejected. Rejection is so common, you guys, and this is going to happen. Unfortunately, everyone we go after is not going to want to be our friend. But we can't be afraid of rejection. If you're in here tonight and you're afraid of rejection, I have some really cool advice to help you get over that fear. Experience it more. The more we experience rejection, the more comfortable we're going to be experiencing rejection and the more willing we are to go and talk to people knowing that we could be rejected. If the worst thing that happens to us is someone saying no to an invitation of friendship with us, that's not that bad. Like We'll be okay, I promise. The important thing to remember about rejection, though, is that when we do get rejected and we're sitting on our butts, we need to be willing to learn from that and to learn from that mistake and to see what we did wrong or see what we did that was maybe awkward um, and then get up and go again. Learn from our rejection and learn from our mistakes and go find someone else. We have to go find people. But we can't just stop there. Making friends is great and all. It's one of my favorite things to do. But once you've gone out and you found someone, you need to build a friendship with them and bring Jesus to them. We can't just expect people to start running after Jesus the second we befriend them. So we are called to bring Jesus to them. So in our story, after Jesus calls Levi to follow him, we see that Jesus went to Levi's house for some food. And again, he's doing something pretty countercultural here, okay? So in verse 15, it says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So remember, tax collectors, not great people. <laughs> and just to emphasize that a little bit more here, the author also says, like, other sinners. So it wasn't just tax collectors, but there was, like, other sinners there, um, and so Jesus left his ministry environment of like preaching to people to go be with these people who were farthest from him. Sounds a little bit weird. When Levi was called to be a disciple of Jesus, Jesus didn't just take him out of his environment of tax collectors and sinners to come socialize with only believers. What Levi did was that he brought Jesus with him and brought him into the element that his tax collector friends and his, sin, well, and his sinner friends were the most comfortable in. And so he brought Jesus to them. And before this dinner party, these people probably didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They probably didn't know that they needed him or wanted him. But Levi knew that his friends wouldn't leave everything like he did to go and follow Jesus. He had to bring Jesus to his friends in an environment where they were comfortable, in an environment where they felt normal. And if Levi threw a dinner party and a bunch of tax collectors and sinners showed up, like odds are he probably has a lot of influence in this area and he wasn't willing to give that up. He wasn't willing to, to leave that influence that he had 
um, to not bring those people to know Jesus. He wanted to bring Jesus into the place where Jesus wasn't before. So let's say you and I were in a really bad car accident, and I got seriously injured. I was wedged in between some like, pieces of wreckage, and I could not get out. You're not going to try and take me out and then take me to the hospital yourself. That'd be really dangerous because this is a life or death situation. I don't want you to take me to the hospital because there's like people to do that. What you're going to do is you're going to call 911. At least I hope you would call 911. Please call 911. Um, and you're going to bring the paramedics to me because they would save me and they would get me out. And it would be because you got them there. It would be because you called them. There are people all around us who are in this position right now, who are in a spiritual life of death or death situation at all times. Way too often, when we actually get the courage to go and find people, what we do is we try to grab them and bring them to our spiritual hospitals, like church or Chi Alpha. And half the time, if they're far from Jesus, they don't want you to take them there. So they'll never make it there if that's all you're trying to do. What they need is a doctor to be brought to them. And Jesus is that doctor. We have to get him to the hurt people, especially when they don't even know that they're hurt. We have to remember, too, that Jesus wants to go with us. He wants to walk in that door once we've opened it to be with these, these sinners and tax collectors of our lives. Bringing Jesus to people can sound really daunting, it's really easy to make excuses like, oh, I'll just get them to Chi Alpha and Pastor Derek can do the thing where they raise their hand and they give their life to Jesus. He can do that part, um, then I'll be all good and I don't have to share Jesus with them. But Jesus doesn't just call pastors or interns or small group leaders, even just the kids who grew up in church. He calls every single one of us to be on mission at all times. In Mark 16, 15, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. How are we supposed to preach the gospel to all creation if we don't have all hands on deck? If you've been following Jesus for 20 years or 20 minutes, we need you. We need you. We need you. You are called to bring Jesus to those who are far from him. But how? Be with people. Be with people. Levi just threw a party and invited all of his homies to come hang out with Jesus. Was this a Christian party? No. Were there a lot of Christians there? Probably not. It doesn't have to be only Christians in the room for Jesus to be there. If you meet someone new and they're not following Jesus and all of their friends also aren't following Jesus, one thing you could do, you can invite them to Chi Alpha, to small group. That's great. Another thing you could do, though, would go hang out with them. Go hang out with them and all of their other non-Christian friends. Bake cookies. Uh, go to the movies. Have a game night. Do something fun with them. And be their friends. Be in the environment where they feel the most comfortable in and bring Jesus into that. The hardest part about this is not giving into the temptation to be a non-Christian when you're around non-Christians and to let those people influence you rather than letting Jesus influence them. And so when you're surrounded by people who aren't Christians, 
We can't compromise on who Jesus is asking us to be. When we're with people trying to bring Jesus to them, we need to be aware of his presence. And odds are, if you go in with that mindset, you will be. We need to ask him to help us glorify him in every single part of the conversation. The best way to bring Jesus to those who are far from him is to be with them. We need to stop trying to to take them out of their environments and to shove them into our Christian culture. We need to be willing to put ourselves in their environments because we are called to go find those who are far from Jesus and bring Jesus to them. So if you call yourself a Christian in this room tonight and you know that Jesus is the answer, no matter what you've walked through, Jesus has always been consistent with you. And he'll forever be your savior. And if you look back at your life, you could probably pinpoint who found you and brought you to Jesus. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was your best friend. Maybe it was some rando at a Chick-fil-A party two months ago. (laughs) Someone found you. And they brought you to Jesus. And it's your turn to get into the game. There are people waiting for you to find them who don't even know that they're lost. But we have to give them the opportunity to know who Jesus is. Maybe you're in here though and you wouldn't even call yourself a Christian. And the concept of of taking people or taking Jesus to people is so foreign to you because you don't even feel like you have Jesus for yourself. I believe that Jesus wants to find you tonight. And he wants to bring himself to you. And as I was talking about lost people who are far from Jesus, something kind of struck you and you felt like that was you. I have some really good news for you guys tonight. No matter how broken or far you feel from Jesus, he wants a relationship with you. In the last... um, verse of our scripture, Mark 2, 17, Jesus says that it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus didn't come to save perfect people because perfect people don't exist. Jesus came to save you. And once you enter into a relationship with Jesus, he's going to use you. Man, he's going to use you if you let him. He wants to use you. No matter how long you've been walking with him, he wants to use you to find people and to bring him to them. Are you prepared for what God wants to do through you? If you guys would stand with me. What would happen if we as a community committed ourselves to going wherever God wanted us to go and and talking to whoever he wanted us to talk to. We must go find the people. Who else is going to do it? And guess what, you guys? They're not hiding. These lost people, they're not hiding. They're in our classes. They're in our dorms. They're in the library. They're at your work. They're everywhere you are. Wherever you go, they're there. There's people who are lost and who don't know Jesus all around you. 
We have to say yes to the call of going and finding. Let's be a people who are crazy enough to believe that there's not a single person on this campus that Jesus doesn't want to save. We can't stop there though, you guys. We have to. We have to take the good news of Jesus to people. There's nothing wrong with inviting someone to Kyofa or to church or to small group. These are all really, really good things. And we can promise them that Jesus will be in this room. But some people will never come to a church thing when they're far from Jesus. Let's be a community who is so focused on bringing Jesus with us wherever we go. A community who's not ashamed to put this stamp on us that says, I'm a follower of Jesus. We can no longer tell ourselves that this isn't our job because we're not qualified enough. Because you know what, you guys? You are called. You are called. And God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And because you have been called, you are qualified. Maybe you're in here tonight and and you don't feel lost. But if you're honest with yourself, you haven't been found by Jesus. You haven't been living in a relationship with him. God, the creator of all things, humbled himself. And he left heaven to come to this earth to live the perfect life and to take the punishment for everything every single one of us has ever done wrong. He saw you in the moments where you were hurting the most, where you were running from him the most, and he died in your place. He knew what it meant to take that place. He thought it was worth it to die for you. And tonight, he is calling you to no longer be lost, but to be found. And all you have to do is is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart that God took your place. So if everyone in here would just bow their head and close their eyes with me, I want to give these people a chance to respond to what Jesus has for them tonight. So if you feel like that's you and and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you did at one time but you don't anymore and you're lost and you want to be found, I'm just going to ask that, that you raise your hand. With no one looking around, this is just an outward sign between you and God saying, I'm all in. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Raise your hand in here tonight. There's so many hands up, you guys. Father, I just thank you so much for these people, God, who said yes to you. God, I thank you for the people who want to be a part of your family. God, I thank you for finding them. We, we thank you so much for not being lost anymore. Jesus, we just thank you so much for, for laying your life down and dying in our place because, because you wanted to. God, I pray that we would just start to confess that. God, we'd start to confess that you are our Lord and that we would, we would begin a relationship with you tonight. The second response is for those of you who call yourselves followers of Christ. But if you're honest, you haven't been going and finding and bringing Jesus to people. Tonight, I wanna invite you to commit the call on your life to go and find those who are far from Jesus and to bring Jesus to them. And if you just put your faith in Jesus a minute ago, 
this is for you too, okay? And if you're ready to be a part of what God wants to do on this campus, I'm just gonna ask that you raise both of your hands up to God tonight. I'm just gonna pray with us. God, I just pray that you would move in our hearts. Jesus, that we would no longer believe this lie that we are not qualified to go and reach the people who are farthest from you, Father. Jesus, I pray that every single person in here would know the call that you've put on our lives. God, that we would walk out of this room knowing that there's not a single person on this campus that you don't want to save, that you don't want relationship with. God, I pray against this fear of rejection, this fear of being uncomfortable, God, the fear of not knowing what to say. Jesus, I pray against all those things that we would just be so confident in the call that you have put on our lives to go reach people for you. God, I pray for all of the students that sit next to us in our classes, who, who work with us, God, who are neighbors to us in our dorms, Jesus, whatever that looks like, I pray for them right now. And I pray for you to give each and every single person in this room a heart for those people. I pray that we'd be broken tonight and that we'd just be so broken that we're not willing to not share Jesus with people and to not bring you into those environments, God. I thank you for that opportunity to do what we get to do to, to be with people, God, and to bring you into that. Love you so much.